Hey everybody, I am Greg Sowell, and this is Why Am I, a podcast where I talk to interesting people and try and trace a path to where they find themselves today. My guest this go-around is Adrienne Dobson. She's an actress, beautiful singer, and oh, by the way, also the director of the theater company. Adrienne was kind enough to talk to me about how life was prior to the pandemic and then coming to terms with it. And last, the hope she feels as things come back to us. The arts are important to a lot of us. To be honest, the arts are important to me. And I want to do whatever I can to keep them alive. At any rate, I hope you enjoy this conversation with Adrian. Adrian Dobson, thank you for joining me on the YMI podcast. Oh, thanks for having me on the YMI podcast. Uh, I know. I feel like we just went through this routine, this song and dance. Uh, I know. How strange. I'm familiar with that. All right. Well, (laughs) let's get you introduced. So you and I are, where are we? Where do you want to be waiting in line? It's a, we're always waiting in line somewhere. We're waiting in line. Where would you like to wait in line? Uh, Well, well, I don't want to wait in line there, but I feel like I, everyone's waiting in line at Santa's Wonderland right now. (laughs) Oh, no kidding, bro. All right. Yeah. Then we've got plenty of time. We've got plenty of time. Okay. So yeah. uh, in the time, I introduce myself and I tell you that I'm looking around, I'm looking around. I sell office supplies to various like stores or stuff like that. And it's really boring. And we talk about that for a second. Now it's your turn to introduce yourself. Who are you? Great. Uh, I'm Adrian Dobson and I'm here at the theater company in Bryan College Station, which is where I am the executive director. And right now I'm selling tickets to Elf the Musical. <laughs> so you're executive director of the theater company. That's <laughs> Is that a title you ever thought yeah. you would have? No. No, no, no. Not in a million years, no. <laughs> but it seems like a badge that you wear with uh, with a lot of pride, huh? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, my life has definitely take some, taken some twists and turns. It was a hard left to go into a nonprofit, uh, and and here I am. But I'm definitely very happy to be here and very proud to be here in this position and in yeah. this community. Well, let's. So, ah, that is. It's like that is Jump such right a, a little slice of of <laughs> who you are. Uh, I like yeah. how modest you're already starting out. Yeah, it's always so fun that way. Um, but yeah, you are uh, not only the executive director of the theater company, but I. I mean, explain, what does that even mean? Like to, to anybody who has no idea what that is, you know, and you're probably looking at one of those people, like I, I don't fully understand everything that you do. So it's like, what does that, what does that all entail? Well, I think it meant something different to me before I did it. And it's something huh. very different to me now. So a little bit of background is I've actually been in this theater off and on uh, for, as of 2022, wow. it'll be 20 years for me. So in the fall of 2002 is where I found the company, started performing there, started choreographing, um, and it just kind of became a second home for me. It's the only reason I'm still in the Bryan College Station area, because uh, I tried to leave most times, um, just never <laughs> left. And so, you know, when I thought about the my predecessor, Randy Wilson, who passed away in the fall of 2016, when I thought about his position, it was this very... Um, awe-inspiring this is the director he's the one in charge and doing all the things and everyone just does everything (laughs) for him 
And so there was a lot of mystery behind his position and here because uh, he was also just a very, um, I mean, fascinating individual. Um, older, he grew up here, went to Broadway, had this incredible career, uh, did a lot of national tours, did some, had, had some great stories about living in New York in the 70s, uh, and eventually came back here and helped create the theater company. And so my perception of the job was one thing. Um, as uh, kind of towards the end of his life, he knew that he wanted me to be the one to take over. Uh, and that was a notion that I rejected <laughs> quite immediately. I just didn't think it was very realistic. I didn't think I was capable. Um, uh, but I was in a position where it was really hard to say no to him. And I'm really glad that I didn't. Uh, I, do you want previous life now? What the, what the world was for me before uh, I jumped into this? Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> this is wherever you want it to go. So, yeah. Tell me. Tell me. Oh, I mean, you said. Yeah. 2002. You were. I'm guessing you were pretty young back then. Because yeah. I was really young back then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I came here. I came here after high school. I went to A&M. Um, did a lot of things to avoid coming to A&M because this is where my mother grew up. It's where my parents met. So, you know, the Aggie lifestyle was very much, you know, presented to us in a way that I obviously rejected <laughs> it immediately um, and then really tried not to come here. Ended up here anyways um, and was all in on campus as a freshman, you know, got involved in the freshman leadership organization. Just my entire world was there. And it wasn't until my sophomore year where I moved off campus with a lot of the friends that I'd made as a freshman, but recognizing that we were all still following the same path. And I didn't know that that was the best decision to, you know, now I'm living with these three other women that um, we did everything together and then we were going to live together. And I just thought that was a recipe for disaster. Um, so I kind of looked off campus to see what else there was other than just being all in it with the campus lifestyle. And I had the Eagle and found an ad for the Wizard of Oz auditions. And I thought, you know what? It has been, I don't even know how long since I've acted. You know, I sang and danced as a kid. I danced all through high school, um, always sang. And it thought, this could just be something fun. I have no idea what this place is. Came in for the first time, was terrified because it's Wizard of Oz. So there's just an army of children stage moms, people I don't know, but who obviously knew each other and you could right. tell were really close and tight knit. Um, and actually Chris, Christy Petty, the woman who owns the village and now Vino Boheme, you know, clocked me and said, Hey, you're new. My name's Christy. So glad you're here. And I thought, okay, this isn't so scary. <laughs> um, and so she was one of the, she was the first person who introduced herself to me to make me feel welcome. Um, and so I made it into the show. And from that moment on, it's, been a part of my life and along with Christy Petty who's a friend of mine now for 20 years um so yeah uh I graduated A&M I went right into a job uh who my boss is someone I met here at the theater because his son did theater I worked for a market research and mystery shopping company for 15 years and basically had an office job but was eventually vice president of production or operations for this company um and yeah, had like a very demanding and and uh, mm. often monotonous daytime job. And then I got to come here in the evenings and work with kids, work with adults, got to choreograph, got to perform a lot. Um, and that's 
where, yeah, so I spent a big portion of my life now. Uh, so then when Randy passed away, it, this position was presented to me, but it, uh, like I said, this position had a lot of mystery involved. So we have a board of directors with his position. No one really, really knew what his job was, what he did all day. Things always got done. We just didn't really know how. And so without him, suddenly there was so much work to be done to figure out how it all got done. <laughs> so I think it, I'm now, um, you know, four and a half years into this process and we're still figuring out <laughs> how things get done around here. I guess it's that adage, you don't want to know how the sausage is made, but yeah. uh, you guys are desperately trying to figure out the recipe, huh? That's... Yeah. It was definitely the first year was 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 tough, but you know we have amazing volunteers here. The board is amazing. They have evolved along with me as far as what my role is, what their role is, and it's definitely been a challenge. But it's really rewarding to know that no matter what is going on, everyone is on the same team and everyone has the same goal, which is to keep this place alive and keep it open and keep it as a place where people are welcome. How to did you? You art. kind of indicated that. At some point, he let you know that you were going to be his predecessor. It's like, how did how did that was it Was it pretty overt? Yeah. He's like, this is this is going to be you, or is it more subtle? <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> it was it was pretty overt. I think um, I knew that I was someone he could rely on. Um, I so I knew that I was kind of someone to, for him to lean on, and I feel like I've been learning from him and mm. a lot. You know, he was my mentor for so 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 long. Um, I think it was a year or two before he died. We were sitting at Chewy's, I think, after maybe a rehearsal or after um, a performance. Just a big row of obnoxious actors <laughs> all sitting outside on the patio at Chewy's. And someone was when he didn't always socialize with us <laughs> as kind of a community. Um, but when he did, it was really special because he always has great stories to tell. You know, it's nice to hear his insight in a way that he would typically have lot more boundaries than I tend to. <laughs> um, so you didn't always get that time with him. Uh, but I remember someone was asking him like, oh, what's the plan? Like, or, do you want to retire? Do you want to keep going? What do you want to do? And he talks about like, yeah, I'm going to go as long as I possibly can. And they're like, okay, well, worst case scenario, like, who do you think, who would you want to take over once you left? And I was sitting right by him and listening to the conversation, but not like listening. And, and uh, cause I think I was talking to someone else and he turned and goes, well, Adrian, uh, like he, it wasn't, it was something that I, it was clear that he had thought about, but had never spoken to me about, um, which I thought was really flattering, but also thought was a pipe dream. Cause of course he's right. going to live forever right. and everything's going to be fine. <laughs> yeah. You don't see those things coming. Um, and then it was when he was, uh, uh, sick and in the hospital where he made his intentions very clear, uh, to the board to the board president, to anyone who kind of came to visit. Uh, so, And then he made it very clear to me. And what I was told, because it was, it was terrifying, that offer is terrifying, knowing what he meant to like the community here, knowing what kind of a local icon he was, that's a very intimidating pair of shoes to step into. <laughs> um, but what I was told by the board president is like, look, you don't have to say yes to us later on but you need to say yes to him now in order for right. you know him to feel okay with you know leaving this yeah. universe that he created so it sounds like yeah it was absolutely crystal clear to him that you were 
his protege that you were meant to take this. Why do you think it was yeah. such a surprise to you? Uh, imposter syndrome. Because <laughs> uh, this isn't something I trained for, start, studied for. It's not something I thought, you know, was for me. So I felt completely incapable and out of my element. So to be asked to step into his role just, seemed a little crazy to me. Um, and even now there are moments that I have where, you know, we participate in conversations and meetings and stuff with theaters all around the country. And there's every once in a while, I still feel like, well, what the heck am I doing here? I don't know what I'm doing, but I have to remind myself, no, I do know what I'm doing because I do it every day of my life right. now. But it was a very intimidating prospect. to step I'm sure you've them. like experienced some like insane growth, like some personal development. Yeah. I mean, I would say professional <laughs> development, personal development, and just, you know, it's because I've been in that position before where all of a sudden you find yourself and you are in the deep end and you don't know if you're ready for this or yeah. not. And then two years go by and you look back and you're like, I don't know how I did all that, but like, I am absolutely changed. I mean, do you, do you ever stop and reflect on that? I mean, it's been four years. So I guess that's enough time to look yeah. back a bit. I do. And the, the nature of what we do allows for a mm. lot of pause and reflection. You know, when, when every show runs, you know, four to six weeks of a, you know, from rehearsal to end, and there's at the end of every show, there's time to pause and reflect as cast, as, you know, an individual. So I've definitely had a lot of that. Um, and even just in the past two years since COVID, oh, there's yeah, been no even kidding. more time for that because you know, what we've kind of overcome in the past two years has been such an adventure. And we are, you know, we just celebrated our season. Or we used to have these big season parties every summer where we would close out the season, announce the next season, celebrate everything that we've accomplished. We hadn't done that mm. since 2019. And so we just had it this past uh, week, two weekends ago on the 5th. And that is a moment to where everyone has to pause and reflect because we have to think that, you know, our season, with, which is normally a year, started in summer of 2019, and we wow. just ended it now. <laughs> and it's it's crazy when you look back on even just the last since April when is when we kind of reopened. Even since April, looking at what we've accomplished and the new people that have come in and what we have created is a little mind blowing. Yeah. I, I mean, if you're ready to get into it, I, I know there were probably all kinds <laughs> of emotions, all kinds of feelings associated with that. Like, um, yeah, I, I mean, obviously the world just kind of hit the pause button on everything. And, um, one of the things that there were so many things that I didn't realize were important to me and my mental health. Um, uh, you know, I think a lot of us, uh, found out a lot of things about ourselves in that time period um right yeah. to, to not be over dramatic i think yeah a lot of us uh, had some interesting conversations with ourselves and um, the people around us and things like that um and one of the things i realized that i missed so much were the arts and it started like making me like worry yeah. and like uh, i guess just contemplate like all those people that mean so much because it's i don't know there's only it's really hard for me to like feel things like feel emotions and stuff like that. But like whenever I, I still remember the first theater company performance I went to, which was like um, Fiddler on the Roof, I think. And I like, I felt things. 
And so, it, oh. <laughs> so it was like, it was so special to me. And like that actually at the theater company, that was my very first musical I ever went to. And like, I've been going to musicals ever since, you know, all over the place. And um, it's one of the few places I can go. I honestly, I have no idea what it is. Maybe it's, it's the environment. We're all there together, moving in the same direction. And um, something about when I hear harmonies or somebody really hits a high note, like it gives me, oh, I'm getting God, goosebumps yeah. right now thinking about it. Like it makes me feel things yeah. in a way that nothing yeah. else can. And um, <laughs> that had been missing from my life. And now all of a sudden I'm, I'm terrified that this thing I love is going to go away. And so I just, oh my God, like I can only imagine yeah. how amplified that must be from somebody who, you know, lives and breathes it all day long. So, yeah, it was, it was rough. You know, we, when things shut down, we had just closed out our production of Little Shop of Horrors. Um, and we were starting auditions for Tuck Everlasting. And we ended up, because again, that back then you didn't know if this was a few weeks, a few months, we had no idea. So we thought, okay, we'll have auditions virtually. Yeah, and then in a yeah. couple of weeks, we'll be able to, you back know, to rehearse and things will be back to normal. We just, no one knew. Exactly. So we had this cast that half of them never even met um, until, you know, a year later when we came together uh, and we rehearsed virtually. We did what we could. And then there was a there was a point where it was almost cruel to let them keep rehearsing, knowing that there was just no, you know, there was no nothing in right. sight that could give them enough hope to know that they would be able to do that show. And that was crushing. So in the summer we kind of put pause on Tuck Everlasting. And when in the summer of 2020, when things were kind of looking up, we thought, okay, it, it's time to, to regroup. So we looked at doing outdoor shows um, where you could kind of keep everyone distant. We Our production that was meant to happen after Tuck was called It Should Have Been You. So Tuck Everlasting was a cast of originally almost 40 people. That was crazy to think about in the summer of 2020. You couldn't have 40 people singing and dancing together but it should have been you with like a cast of 13 and they were all adults so that we could trust not to, you know, go out and, you know, have unnecessary exposure. You could kind of expect them right. to, to follow the rules, I guess, and be conscientious of their actor, the, the rest of their cast. Um, and so we started rehearsing them outdoors. We actually met out at Lake Walk, out on the stage. We staged numbers. We, we, we got together in people's backyards and sang through the show with a piano with four extension cords out from someone's driveway, like anything to keep, um, keep giving these people an opportunity to do what, what they love. Um, because like you said, you, you didn't even realize how much you missed it until it was gone. And the I think the worst day that we had was um, we were rehearsing It Should Have Been You. We were getting ready to like put an act together, like start staging some of the in-between stuff, not just the musical numbers. And that's when cases like skyrocketed. Mm. And it was right after July 4th, I think is what it was. So we thought, okay, let's just take another week to not meet in person. Let's go back on Zoom. That first day back on Zoom, after having mm. danced together, worked together in person, being back on Zoom, trying to read together, sing together, was just the most disheartening <laughs> thing and I think it was around that time we were starting to open up our kids camps again which our kids camps used to be you know 40 to 50 kids spending the week with us learning putting on a full production obviously that was out of the question but what we were able to do was kind of these build your own musical workshops with kids so we got to do that for a little while but again right. had to put a stop to that when cases started to go, started to go up again and then to make everything even better 
the week after we stopped the kids' camps, I came into the theater because someone needed to borrow a dress. And there had been some major hailstorms that yeah. uh, summer. And we had holes all over the roof. And it was quite literally raining in the lobby, in our costume oh room, gosh. in the prop room, here on the stage. Um, we had just replaced like part of the stage. There's a, there was a big hole over some seats behind me. Just completely devastating. Uh, I just still, like that day, I just never <laughs> didn't know if we were going to come back from that. Um, so what we did is we had been um, kind of holding off on doing anything virtually. We saw a lot of other theaters doing it, saw a lot of them doing it really well, some of them not so well. So we were uh, looking into it, but not trying to take it really seriously. But post that roof collapse, um, that was also the time where we would have been having our season reveal party, which is where we make 80% mm-hmm. of our fundraising for the year. We weren't going to have it this year. We also had no ticket mm-hmm. sales, no income at all. But meanwhile, we have rent, we have the bills, like more salary, you know, all of these fixed expenses that you have. Um, so me and a couple of other people basically put together an old fashioned telethon where we extended the invitation to all. We had to participate in New Zealand. We had people in New York. We had actors all over the country come together and film numbers, you know, reprise numbers that they've done on our stage before, do some dream numbers. We got to do some fun stuff with casting. Like we had an all male um, six Mary murderesses from Chicago. That was amazing. Um, and, and then we had someone live stream it. We had an old fashioned telethon guy, like answering phones, <laughs> um, everyone dressed up. We had maybe like 10 people in the theater. Most of the, stuff had been pre-recorded and we did a few things live and that one event we ca- it was called i believe in ttc uh we had testimonials from alumni people talking about like how the theater helped them why it's still important to them why they're still connected to people that they met through the theater and that event raised almost sixty thousand wow. dollars and that was that is how we made it through the year because that was that was enough to basically even with us keeping things really, really tight, that was enough to kind of tide us over until we were able to really open up and, and start with live performances. Again. So that's why you survived. It wasn't waiting out the storm. It was, hey, this thing's at our doorstep. We got to do something. And you went yeah. into action. That's that's amazing. Yeah. That's killer. Yeah. That was a hell of a we lot of work. We did a few more virtual it? things. Oh, my God. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it was a lot of work and it was one of those things. And I don't know if you're like this, but I have a really hard time delegating, um, especially in a time crunch. It, it doesn't matter what it does to me. It's easier if I just do it myself. <laughs> and, um, I did, there was an amazing team of people helping me with the music and stuff, but I learned how to video edit. I learned, I, you know, how to kind of use GarageBand. I don't know if I'm good at it, but I learned <laughs> how to put all these things together. I learned, you know, graphic design to a certain extent because you, you kind of had to, you know, that's your back's against the wall. You cannot create, you cannot bring people into the space to see it. So you have to try to give it to them in the best way that you can. Um, but it's a lot of work because it's, it's not like doing a live show. There's a whole lot more that goes into it. So I'm grateful to be back live again but um we always know that streaming virtual stuff is something that's kind of in the background where we might have to go back to that you just never know what's going to happen you foresee 
Well, I mean, if it's if it's theoretically something you might have to pivot to, do you ever foresee that as something that you would just run in tandem with your regular shows? Just do both? Yeah. And a lot of, yeah, a lot of theaters are doing it now. You know, one of the reasons that we couldn't produce musicals during this time frame is because the, you know, when we produce a musical, you purchase rights from right, a company right. that owns it. And there's like a dozen different companies that own all the shows. Um, and you sign these very hefty contracts. And they have contracts with the authors and playwrights and all of that. These contracts are very specific to this is for a live production mm. in a space with a live audience. Anything outside of mm. that is a, is a breach of contract. So then they kind of had to start from scratch and rethink their model and negotiate with all of these artists and songwriters on how to redo these contracts to allow people to stream, to have theater on demand. Um, it was all new territory for them. And some shows you still can't stream no matter what. They don't. They right. don't want their product out there like that. Um, but a lot of companies, you that you look for that now. Okay, if something goes wrong, can we stream it? Um, and that's that's an option you have to look for. We are hoping that we don't have to. We know that it's really difficult. It's also really expensive because if you stream a show, you can't just, you know, turn on Facebook Live or put it on YouTube. You have to go through the very expensive companies that are being provided to you for quality control so they can count tickets and make sure that people are not just watching it for free or filming it and giving it away. So it, it led to a kind of a reinvention of a lot of how theater is done <laughs> legally. <laughs> it's very complicated and you just kind of had to sit and wait for them to yeah. figure it out. I know I traditionally don't watch like a lot of theater uh, as you know, that are like the theatrical versions or whatever, where they you know, produce them and release them out. But um, yeah, we wanted to see Hamilton and suddenly we weren't able to do that. And then lo and behold, they released it, you know, like out in video form. And that was it. It was bittersweet because it was one of the most amazing performances I've ever seen. And it pissed me off that I couldn't see it live. Like, I wish I wish I could go back in time and erase that from my memory and be able to experience it live for the very first time. Yeah. I, I yeah. So it's, yeah. here I am complaining about getting the things I like, you know, but you know what I mean? It's just, I love the <laughs> oh, live experience so much. It's hard. Yeah. I was really lucky. I got to see Hamilton when it toured. I, I saw it in Houston at, um, at the Hobby Center. Um, and I have yet to watch the Disney Plus version, but it's kind of the same thing. Like, I know it's wonderful. It'd be nice to see the original cast, yeah. but it's not the same. Yeah. It's just, not I don't, the same. I, I can't even describe. <laughs> you know what? It's... I can describe it. It's like um, when I would listen to music and I can enjoy that music and it's great. But then when I go to a live concert, there's something about being in that environment with like thousands yeah. of other people that are just, you know, on the edges of their seats. They're just ready and, you know, a hundred percent bought in and they want to have a great time and they are there for it. And I don't know, man, it puts me in a different headspace yeah. and I love it. I could totally dig that. And just, with our production of Elf right now. So we're doing Elf the musical and it's this beautiful, I mean, it's based on the movie. It's a really great adaptation of the movie. Um, you know, there, we sold out on this past Sunday for That's the first awesome. time since COVID, which is like crazy, but also a little like anxiety <laughs> inducing because there's just so many people. Yeah, there's something about Elf because we have so many kids and being able to, I sit in the back a lot and just watch, observe, make sure everything's going okay. But the when you get to hear kids laughing at a show at 
you know, Buddy the Elf or Santa or anything like that. It's really, really special to be able to provide that for, you know, these kids and families that haven't been able to see that in so long. Mm, that's awesome. You know, so something you said earlier, which really like, I was curious, you said you guys were, um, I think it, was it, was it Tuck Everlasting? You said you guys were like practicing, you were doing all the virtual stuff and then you eventually had to pull the plug on it. Like how, how yeah. hard was that for you to like call everybody and pretty well, I don't even know that we did. I mean, when I think back on it, I don't even know that there was like an official plug pulled or if we said, this is when we're stopping. I think it was just kind of a, a gradual fade out of like, okay, we'll be in touch. Um, because we would, everything was so unknown. Um, and, you know, when we started talking about doing live shows again, our goal was to be open by Valentine's Day of 2021. That didn't really happen, but we were finally able to come back April, May. And at that point, that cast was a year older. So one of, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Tuck Everlasting, but Winnie Tuck or Winnie Foster, the girl that it's kind of about, you know, the girl we'd cast was grown up and, you know, things in her life were very different. So she had to leave the production. Um, we ended up bringing in uh, another two girls. One had already been cast as the understudy, but the whole cast had to be shaken up a little bit because we had seniors in high school that had now gone on to college and people that were just in different places in their lives. Um, so everything had to kind of, we started over. We had to double cast everything because just in case, you, right. you, there's just no telling what's going to happen um, on like a community level and individual level. You just have to be prepared for anything. Now that is COVID taught us anything it's be prepared for anything. Um, and we got back together and it was pretty moving the first time the cast came together to sing. Cause you know, tech everlasting is about this little girl who meets this boy who lives forever and he he's able to live forever and he offers that to her. And so the second act is her wrestling with, you know, do I live my life? Do I run off with this wonderful human being? And it's his family telling her, live your life. Don't do this because we don't have life anymore. Yes, we live forever, but what does that mean? And there are some heart-wrenching songs in the second act. Um, Jesse Tuck's dad sings a song about the wheel. And so like life is a wheel and, and it just has to keep turning. Um, but you have to get on that wheel and live your life. Um, and it was a really perfect show for us to come back to because it was about life and death and about valuing your life, which is a huge lesson that I think the pandemic taught us all is to value not just each other's lives, but each other's time because we didn't, we lost so much of it with each other. And the first per performance of Tuck Everlasting was like a moment that mm. will never leave me because it starts in this beautiful, like celebratory. There's all these dancing. Everything is so beautiful. And Winnie Foster comes out and she says, today is the day I've been waiting forever. And like that just, it just hung for a second. And, you know, we hadn't had, we didn't have big audiences for a while, which is probably for the best. Um, but that moment, hung with the with the cast with the audience i mean it was a very heavy but really appropriate way to start restart mm. our theater that's so beautiful 
You know, I believe it or not, back in the day, because uh, you know my wife, Christy. I mean, that's how ultimately yeah. I know. That's, she knows everybody yeah. in this town. It's like I can't go anywhere. I can't take her anywhere. I know. I digress. Um, we used to be wedding photographers for like a long time. And something, yeah, right? Layers. Oh like an onion, layers. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah. So that. one of the things that I eventually learned and I would tell people, um, just before it was time for them to like, you know, actually go up and on the altar, do all the stuff. As I would say, look, um, whatever you guys first hold hands, you're first up there. I want you to stop and just take a beat and remember where you are. Just look around for a second. I was like, because the day goes by fast, you know, everything just turns into this blur, but just take one moment to take a mental snapshot so that you can look back on this. Remember this, remember this moment. And so I've actually been kind of taking some of my advice lately on these things I took for granted. Um, these things that I love to do and enjoy yeah. now, I, I try and remind myself, Hey, just take a beat, take a second and think about this thing that you love so much and um, appreciate this moment yeah. for what it is and have yourself something to look back on. And so I've, I've been doing that a lot lately and it's just, uh, although I find myself, I was really good about it at first. And now that I'm getting more comfortable back in my routines, you know how we are. It's like, I tell myself I'm going to yeah. do all these great things. I remember this, I'm going to appreciate it. And then I go back to taking everything for granted. I think it's just human nature, but I think that's so cool that you have a moment, kind of that, that snapshot in time that you can look back on. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I've, and I'm surrounded by people who it's, if I ever feel exhausted, jaded, <laughs> resentful, whatever. I'm, I'm literally surrounded by people where this is their refuge. This is the choice that they make to take time away from their families, to, you know, not study, to not go to work. They come here because it makes them happy. And so I am very fortunately surrounded by reminders of why I'm really fortunate to be doing mm. what I'm doing. Um, you know, when, with kids, like all the kids that we have in the theater, uh, you know, cause we've had COVID scares along the way. And it's a, a thing that weighs heavily on me, just the guilt of, you know, people being exposed to it within the theater. Cause we did have a breakout in Willy Wonka because that was a show with kids, kids that that time weren't able to be vaccinated. So we did our best, you know, we, we tried to enforce all these rules and do all these things, but it's, it's going to happen. You know, you can't control it. And so the, the guilt of that weighed on me a lot, knowing that our, I created an environment where now this is spreading to our kids. And thankfully, thank God, everyone was okay. Um, but oof, yeah, it's, it's stuff like that that is, is a lot to shoulder. But what I'm really grateful for is their parents because they're, I, I expected, you know, if I were them, I'm not in their position, but if I knew my child was exposed to something at a certain place, I'd be livid. I'd be serious. I'll take my child away and never bring them back. Our parents have been the most supportive, incredible, you know, just amazing people because they understand mm -hmm. the value of what this does for their kids. And they're very aware of the risks. And we also have some amazing medical professionals that are parents in the theater. So I get to lean on them a lot. Um, but they also know that what their kids are exposed to at school isn't the level of, I guess, security that we were trying to have here. Um, and so they understand the risk, they know the risk, but they understand the value of what these kids get out of it and how much they were missing it and how much that affected the, these kids over the past year. 
Um, and so I don't know what I would do without like the parents and the family dynamic here. It's, yeah, that's it's pretty beautiful. Probably like the eighth time you've mentioned mentioned uh, children. So you talked about hearing their laughter like yeah. <laughs> during the various shows and Elf, and then the kids inside the theater and uh, doing the camps with the kids. Mm-hmm. I'm starting to to pick up on a theme here. I'm assuming yeah. that's. A, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that's a big part of this for you is getting to work with kids. Oh, it's huge. Yeah. And, you know, there's kids and then there's senior kids. Uh, we actually had that talk kids. with our kids the other day. <laughs> uh, um, but, yeah, just that they're a different group of kids. You know, they um, some of these kids are are so mature. And it's really amazing. Like, there's a lot of shenanigans going on right now. And else I can tell you, there's some love triangles. There's some tanks <laughs> happening, elf hats being hidden. Um, there are some shenanigans happening. Yeah. They are still kids. But there's also kids that are mature and have really wonderful and beautiful conversations about responsibility and what it's like to be a sibling. And they get advice. They also get to see the amazing adults here, too. Um, so there's teenagers. There's adults. There's every age is kind of represented here. It's this beautiful little world in itself and i it's really amazing to see age groups kind of learning from each other so kids in high school looking to the college kids and seeing you know how they balance studying with coming to play here you know people who are married you know and you look at them too as an example that there's just like a really cool representation of just being a kid like no matter kind of what age you are in there when you step on the stage, you're with people younger, you're with people considerably older, and you're all peers, right? You're all equals in this thing. And I bet right. this is probably the first taste of equality a lot of these kids get, right? Like, I'm not being treated like a child. I'm being treated like, mm-hmm. you know, a, a fellow thespian or actor or whatever it happens to be, you know? I bet it's pretty empowering. Do you Yeah. Do you see yourself in these kids? Is that a, is that a bit of it, you think? <laughs> I see myself in some of the college students yeah. more than I do the kids because I didn't do this as a kid. You know, I sang in church, danced in the dance studio, danced at school, but I didn't, I was, I was never exposed to an environment like this. Um, you know, theater is something that I saw as like a pipe dream. My biggest, I had to tell you, my biggest career goal when it came to performing growing up is I grew up in San Antonio. So this was before Fiesta Texas was Six Flags. It was owned by USAA. So there was all these live performances. There was beautiful live music. So my career goal was to be in the cast of the Rockin' at Rockville High <laughs> at Fiesta Texas. I thought that was that was like top tier. That's what I So even to as a do. kid, you wanted to be a performer but, then? Yeah. That was the thing. Yeah, right, well, absolutely. When did that start? Do you have musical parents? Was that encouraged? Like, how, how does that come about? I have musical parents and that my dad is like a, an advocate of good music, which he believes stopped <laughs> in the 70s. But, <laughs> um, and then I sang, my mom sings. My mom was in an Eagles cover band apparently when she was in college, which cracks me up all the time. Um, and I sang in church, but I was exposed to theater. Um, you know, watching Newsies growing up or honestly Sister Act. It was always something that I knew that was just a whole lot of fun. It just seemed huh. unrealistic to me. I mean, I subjected my parents to like me performing with my neighbor the entirety of the Sister Act soundtrack <laughs> um, and, and probably other things too. <clears throat> 
so it was, but it never seemed realistic to me ever. Uh, which is, which is wild. <laughs> I mean, even coming here as a college student, I didn't think it was, uh, this was something fun, but never something that I understood as being how I would spend my life. Interesting. So you ended up at A&M and something yeah. you said that kind of struck me as you said, um, campus lifestyle. <laughs> what is campus? Like, I don't even know what that means. What is campus lifestyle? I mean, just, and, and this is no <laughs> judgment. I am an Aggie and I'm a proud Aggie. But the, the, the mentality of, like, that is all that you are, something I rejected, had always rejected as a kid, um, and, and then being a part of it, I was like, this is great, you know, but also I know that there's more than this. Um, I mean, when I was a freshman was 2000, so September 11th happened when I was a freshman in college. So, like, I was there for the, the red, white, and blue game, and that's, um, just that event you you hung in even more as just like an Aggie that that community um, and I, I don't know when that sort of changed for me but I think it was just observation and just wanting to know that there was something outside of this campus which is I mean hard and any student can tell you that they talk they talk about the other education I think that's what they refer to it as so it's like your education at A&M, A&M and then the other education, which is mm. all the student organizations, that it's very easy to go all in and then that is all you do. And I say that knowing that I offer that for other people, <laughs> this, that this is something where people come and they are all in and it's all that they do. But yeah, I, I just knew that there was something more something that I wanted different. to do. And then you eventually stretched your wings yeah. and started to... so. I, I've seen you perform multiple times. I saw you in, um, uh, what did I see? A Rocky Horror Picture Show, which I thought you were awesome and hilarious and badass. <laughs> and, um, you know, I've just, I've seen you in lots of different performances. You're, and I'm, I'm sure you're no stranger to this, but you're very talented. Uh, you have an amazing voice. You have a spirit. It's just, you have a presence. Like when you're there, it's like everything else goes away and all attention falls on you. Um, so that's an amazing quality to have i'm sure you just yeah you know everywhere you, you probably that's probably how my wife feels it's like everywhere she goes everybody knows her right everywhere you go i'm sure yeah it's like yeah. this is adrian for sure yeah i love christy like i um i've never been a fan <laughs> of dance classes at gym i i don't but for christy i was like no this this is she's fine. pretty bad this is, this yeah let's not i hear about her enough let's let's move on let's talk about something else uh no uh <laughs> but no like I've, I've seen you i mean you're yeah like i was saying uh i digress you're a very exceptional performer and then now you find yourself in this role where you have to be more of a facilitator it's like how did you let go of that that old piece like that. Oh, I mean, obviously you still get to perform. And uh, having said that, yeah. Yeah, I, I purposely didn't mention who's holiday. Cause I want to talk about that extensively momentarily. Yeah. Uh, so I know you still get to <laughs> okay, perform, good. but you know, at some point you have to kind of like, yeah. uh, it's sort of like ego death, like that old me, I have to kind of let that die so that I can grow into this other part. And it sounds like what I'm hearing is you've become a facilitator. Like you're growing all these people, um, and it almost sounds like Randy, like his mentorship of you, you're taking up that torch and you're mentoring all these other people and you're helping them grow. It's like, how do you come to 
terms with all of that stuff. Like, just tell me about that experience. You know, I was scared of that. That transition actually was a lot easier than I had expected it to be. That's not saying that I don't still miss performing as much as I used to, because there were years where every single show I was in it, every single show I was a part of it in some form. Um, and so there are definitely there are shows that I look at sometimes and yes, I'm a part of it because I'm part of the process and I'm, you know, like you said, facilitating Mamma Mia is a good example um, where I did the choreography and we had a guest director, but I wasn't in the show. And that was one where I was like, man, it would be really fun to be in those dancing scenes because it's just a great time. And there's really nothing like being in an ensemble and being part of a, a cast in that way. So I miss it. But um, it is really enjoyable to be able to see that in others. And I, I feel like I've always had a pretty healthy awareness of myself and where I fit, where I don't fit. So, you know, there are shows where, you know, there's an upcoming show next season where I'm like, I could possibly see myself in that, but it kind of depends on, you know, time and whatever um i think the harder part is having other people change their mindset about me so if people have some because people have known me for so long around here i think other people had a harder time adjusting to me not always wanting to be on stage because i do sometimes but i also get to do that you know like we're gonna talk about whose holiday we'll talk about that in a second but there are times when i still get to go up and dabble i can do my own thing i can um you know find somewhere to sing if i really needed to i can sing in the shower <laughs> all the time but i don't have i don't have the need the competitive need to be a part of that process anymore if I did, it would be, you know, at another theater. But I am more than happy to kind of sit back and see the, the people grow here on the stage without me. I was a little convoluted. But I, it, it, there are times I get jealous, but then there are also times where I'm like, yeah, but I can leave as soon as the curtain goes open and you guys have three <laughs> more hours to go. <laughs> so you touched on a couple of things. One is you said, <clears throat> like in Mamma Mia, the dancing part, you said there's nothing like it. What is it? Describe to me the feeling you get when you're on stage. Oh, man. There's a camaraderie and there's like a partnership um, that exists in the ensemble of a show. And this is not like playing a role. This is the ensemble of the show. And I can think of a handful of them that were really, really meaningful. Like one being a chorus line because there's not like a star of a chorus line. You guys are all in it together. It's this, this teamwork. Um to think of some of the others that were just really really incredible to be a part of well i i can tell you just from looking at the groups now the wedding singer ensemble was amazing um because they were all ages i put them through an absurd amount of dancing <laughs> uh, but there's a camaraderie to it and uh there's also this it's like a support system so with with people coming back from COVID, everyone's schedules are a lot harder than they used to be um, and so we normally, if you cannot commit to every single dress rehearsal and every single performance, you just don't do the show. We won't cast you, but we've had to, we've had to adapt and be flexible. So there's often in wedding singer, it felt like every show, someone was going to be out. So there's this mentality of like covering each other. Okay. Well, if you move that set piece, I'll step into her position in this stance. I'll say this line. There's this really amazing teamwork of 
uh, you have no choice. The show still has to go on. This one piece of the puzzle is now gone. So how are we going to put the puzzle together without them? Um, and for the wedding singer, I even got to jump in and do a part of that uh, because the dancing formations, a lot of partner stuff, kind of had to have that body. And I was able to just jump in and mostly remember <laughs> what I taught them and, and be a part of the ensemble for, I think, two or three shows I jumped in to very kind of fulfill that body missing that you needed. Gotcha. So it sounds like you build kind of this, like in a show, in an ensemble, it sounds like you build kind of uh, like a little community, like this sense of community, like we're a family and we're yeah. working together, we're moving in the same direction. Do you think that lasts for a lot of people after that show ends? Yeah. Yeah. There's, uh, you know, whenever we close a show, there's tears. There's always, even though we know that there's going to be an, right. another show and then another show and another show, is this beautiful little, I don't know, dream that happens during one show with this one particular cast. And so it's always an ending, even though you know we're all going to be back there tomorrow for the you know the next show or the next audition or whatever. There is a beautiful just um, story that always happens with every show, and what that leads to is obviously incredible bonding within the cast. You know, partnerships and friendships that you would never see. You know, we, our youngest cast member uh, is four years old in Elf, <laughs> and her two best friends are a. 21 year old and then like a 26 year old who <laughs> you know that they FaceTime or there's a high school kid that she'll FaceTime all the time because that's that's her best friend so you see these really amazing partnerships growing out of people that never would have met otherwise and it happens within a show it also just happens within a season and just however much time you tend to spend here like my best friends I have friends from you know, across my life, but like my closest people to me are people that I've known in the theater for years. Mm. My best friend, I have, you know, one that lives in New York, um, who I don't get to see hardly ever, but that's, I met her here. And another one of my favorite people in the world lives in Los Angeles. She met her husband here. Um, mm. And I never get to see them, but I know that she's the person I could call at any time because we went through this together. So you're making real human connections. No, yeah. I mean, there's always fair weather friends in every walk of life, yeah. but, the, but, but here, because of what you kind of go through together and you evolve together and create together, that is a really important thing that as humans, you know, you don't really have that sort of creativity in like a normal job, I guess. Um, it's, it's pretty cool to watch. I, I also have a hard time not meddling when I see like all the cute young college kids you know <laughs> a... <laughs> on uh, one hand I'm like oh they would be so cute together but on the other hand I'm like don't date in the theater it's never gonna work but <laughs> you seen but the matchmaker does, you seen the matchmaker yeah. song from Fiddler to him in my head all the time <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic yeah yeah I could I could definitely see that like because it seems like such a compressed like environment you know it's like you've got uh, all the emotion, the, you know, associated with everything, the fear, the nerves and, you know, and just so you've got all of that, but then you've got this team that you're relying on. So, you know, right. it's like trustful exercise, you know, they're going to catch you no matter what happens. And you just, it's such a, a highly volatile environment. It seems like you would really develop some real connections, some real friendships in there. And that's, yeah. uh, I'm a little, well, I'm a lot envious, I should say. No, I'm a lot, <laughs> I'm a lot envious. I think that's so killer. That's so cool. Something else you said, which was interesting mm -hmm. to me, is you said competitive need. So 
like auditioning for a show, I never thought of it as like, this is competition and yeah. I'm here to win this part. Is that kind yeah. of the mindset most people walk into with this stuff? I hope that they don't, but a lot of them do. It's, it's, hard. it's really hard because as performers, like your need is to be a seen, be appreciated. You want yeah. to play these roles. You want to have these challenges. Um, and it's a hard mindset for some people to have to think that it's not just about you, but that it's about <laughs> that every cast is, is a puzzle. And I, I feel like I, cause I definitely had some broken heart moments, you know, in the past 20 years with, with Randy and, and being disappointed in roles, being really honored by roles, but you know, you, you didn't always know what was coming. And of course you internalize and you think, Oh, if I'd only done this or I've only said that or acted this way. But the reality is, is like it's a puzzle and you know, whether it's me or another director or whatever, you're trying to make the best puzzle work together. And so it's, it's incredibly complicated. And thankfully I've got, you know, there's always customers and choreographers and stage managers that are there to talk to, but it's very difficult sometimes for actors to not make it about themselves. Do you think you only kind of <laughs> but, came to terms with that after you saw the other side of the, of the, no, of the line? No, I, I think I, I learned that I'm grateful. I, I feel like I learned that lesson early on. But I think I learned it in a really fortunate way where I was surprised a few times with roles that he gave me that made no sense to me. You know, for example, if you've ever seen The Producers, Mel Brooks movie, um, hilarious, but the female character, her name is Ula, and she's supposed to be this German six foot tall knockout, you know, with hourglass figure that does all this dancing. I was choreographing the show. So, you know, you audition because you want to be a part of the process, but in no way is this a type that's that's not me I know my type that's not me um and he cast me and I thought you're nuts I have to start stretching and holy cow <laughs> I have to start <laughs> stretching <laughs> well stretching as in you're yeah. only like what five foot four five foot five I am five two on a good day <laughs> <laughs> perception yeah. for me is off like my wife is six foot I'm six three I've got a 16 yeah. year old that's like six five my 13 year old is like six oh two so it's like everybody's short to me so yeah. it's, it's I'm sorry I, I didn't mean to and everyone no everyone's tall to me it's okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was um but when I when the show got started and this is where where people do eventually learn because there's always hurt feelings and there's always sad and there's always disappointed mm. people in the beginning but you hope that once we kind of get through the process where we're learning music, people are on stage, people are interacting, hopefully people are able to see, oh, this decision was made because these two people work really well together or they have good chemistry or this person was actually a much better fit for that role. You hope that people are able to see the big picture, hmm. but just, I mean, in anything in life, it's hard to always take in the big yeah. picture. It's hard to not be focused on yourself in anything, but especially here when as actors, as performers, performers you're naturally narcissistic and you're you're there's a vanity and an ego to it there just there is and yeah it, it can get very competitive um some more show some shows more so than others there's always one and i'm bracing myself because it's coming where <laughs> every young adult is just i mean ravenous for a certain show um and every year it's it's it, I feel like I know which one it's always going to be, but never makes it easier because that's a, another difficult part of my job is you have to deal with people. 
all types of people. Yeah. And people that genuinely want to get to know you, learn from you, whatever, and then people that are just looking for the opportunity to just get on the good side or make sure that I know that they played the role 10 years ago, you know, somewhere else. So <laughs> there's things like that that you're always kind of fielding. Uh, but yeah, it can it can get competitive. It, there can definitely be broken hearts along the way. Do you think the competitive nature helps you to be better? Like helps you practice more, try more, learn more things, grow yourself? So it's like, I mean, it, it can't be all bad, right? No, it's not. But I do think there are two types of people. I think there's the type of people that use that competition to get better, get better. to learn or, or to, you know, just have patience. But then there's the entitlement aspect of the competitive I deserve this I've been here yeah I deserve I've been here long enough I did this I did that I deserve yeah and that's a struggle because you also do want to reward and acknowledge the people that are here all the time that do the work that um just are constantly just wonderful team players but it doesn't always work out that way and it's hard because it's it's also art. It's perception. It's not black and white. It's how I see things versus how someone else sees things. So it's it's a pickle. Ah, for sure. I never thought of a theater director as like somebody who's conducting a symphony of people. I mean, that's really what you're yeah. doing. You're just, you know, you're having to kind of uh, just weave everybody together and work with all their eccentricities because uh, yeah, I've met some theater <laughs> kids over time and some of them can be uh, a little bit different. Uh, a little less yeah. patient, but you know what? That's everybody in all yeah. walks of life. Yeah. So I totally get that. That's interesting. So yeah. <laughs> can we take just a second to talk about who's yeah. holiday? Just a second, just for, yeah. just for a minute, <laughs> uh, because we went, uh, uh, this will be our third year to go. So it didn't happen last year or at least it we did did happen last year. Oh, we didn't go. Yeah. But it was, yeah. Which is, I mean, it, it happened in like a, not a desperate move, but it was like the, so during COVID we had some virtual stuff. The first in-person thing we did is we did Rocky Horror, but we did it as a drive-in. So we put up a oh, screen, wow. we rented the rights of the movie and we did kind of a shadow cast hybrid where we had a live band from School of Rock um, and we had performers, but, and you know, we were masked, we had all these crazy things that we had to navigate around because it was November of the pandemic. Um, so who's with it just being a one woman show was like our, the safest case scenario to like, okay, if we socially distance these seats, masks are required, it was like the safest place for us to be able to say here is no, it's not a big show with a big, you know, finale tap number with all these people singing and dancing, but it's something and it's live and it's heartwarming and also incredibly inappropriate for children, <laughs> but it's something, um, so we did it last year kind of on a whim. We sold a pretty good amount of tickets, but it was the first indoor activity we'd had since February of 2020. Yeah. Crazy. Crazy. So, so who's holiday? holiday? For anybody who is, <laughs> um, I guess, uninitiated, which I was, yeah, like I said, this is going to be our third time. So what was that? Was it 2018 was the first one that I went to? Because yes. then it would have been 2019 and then this will be the third. Yeah. So 2018... Yeah, I I knew well. So we skip like the kid oriented stuff. Like no no knock to any of that. It's just yeah. you know like our kids yeah. are like, yeah, I mean they're like sixteen or whatever. So they're they don't yeah. they don't dig on that stuff or whatever. So we usually like uh, Rocky Horror. We super enjoyed that. And you know earlier you were talking about yeah. um, 
you know, like the magic of after a show is over, right? Like that community, I guess, ending. And so I was thinking about it because the lead, I think the first time we saw it, he was like a senior in college. And so the presumption was he'll do this and then he'll probably like move away or something like that. But mm -hmm. he subsequently came back the next year we saw it and reprised the role. So it was like totally cool. But yeah. I was like thinking about like kind of the ephemeral nature of like this family you've put together and how you never know when somebody's going to leave. And you know, that, that'll be it because you do have they leave all, the all time. of these costumes. leave all the time. <laughs> <laughs> you have to kind of hard your heart, but it's like, mm -hmm. I absolutely wouldn't be able to, I would just yeah. be, uh, I would be, you know, uh, fall into pieces all the time. All of my family members leaving, but and it's a double-edged sword if you know that they're leaving to go do bigger and better things. Yeah. You know, Tyler's a perfect example yeah. where Tyler actually just went to go perform at 54 Below with a friend in New York City. Oh, wow. And that was the moment where I thought, I'm losing Tyler because someone's going to find them and, you know, offer them something because they're just so ridiculously talented. Oh. And for some reason, they're still here. And I'm very grateful. But I also know that that's someone I will have yeah. to say goodbye to yeah. at some point Dude, because they're, they're meant for more. He set the bar for Frankenfurter for me that I don't know that anybody's ever yeah. going to be able to surpass. <laughs> yeah. It was fantastic. Like, it was just, yeah. it was so, but I mean, you guys, yeah, both years that I saw it, you guys put on a killer show. Anyway, I digress. Let's come back so around fun. to who's holiday. Um, <laughs> so this is kind of the continuation of you know, the Grinch, right? This is Cindy Lou Who, and mm -hmm. she's all grown up, and, you know, uh, she's not, it's not the picture-perfect version that you saw in the cartoon yeah. anymore, right? It's it's more real, it's more visceral, yeah. and it's, like you said, it's a one-woman show, and in this instance, it's you. And it is bonkers, because it's you on the stage for, what are we talking, an hour? Hour plus? About an hour. Yeah, yeah. and it is only you. You have nobody else to fall on. Not only that, but you do some audience participation where you're vamping. You're like on the spot. You're being charming. I saw you like, I think somebody's phone rang in one performance and you immediately oh like, you like, I, Not I think you like, I hesitated. you read them to filth for a second and then you just kept I going. Did. It was like part of the performance. <laughs> it was bonkers. Not only that, but you're rhyming the whole thing. It just blows oh my, my mind. And it, I I mean it is hilarious and it is heartbreaking and it is amazing and then you bring it all home at the end and I am just in awe of you in this performance and I can't wait <laughs> I don't I think you can see how excited I am to go and yeah. see the next performance but it's like I was talking about you know oh you've had to give up performing but you don't you like this to me this no, is like I don't. this is yeah. the grand finale every year for me and you get to perform this so uh, tell me about how you mustered up the chutzpah like where does this come from to say i'm gonna do this and it's gonna be me in front of all these people where does that come from i i don't know because if people that i i feel like know me really well this is a very out of character thing for me to do is let me take an hour and make it all about me <laughs> who i am i i love acting because it's like um it's a separation from myself and it's a way, you know, it's not me. I'm not someone who would ever think I could like be in a band. I hate karaoke. I, I'm, <laughs> I give the heebie jeebies having to do anything like that. That's not me. Um, so it, it is kind of crazy that this is something I really enjoy doing, but again, because it's so wild and bonkers, like you said, it's not me at all. But so a few years ago, uh, there's this actress, Leslie Margarita, who I was a huge fan of. She, uh, was she played Mrs. Wormwood in Matilda the Musical, and I got to see her on Broadway. And I just thought she was 
so incredible and so larger than life. And I'd never heard of her before, but she had done some crazy, really amazing shows. So all of a sudden she's advertising for Who's Holiday, this one woman show. And I read a lot about it. I watched clips of it and I thought, this is the funniest freaking thing I've ever seen in my life. I'm fascinated. And uh, at the time uh, I hadn't been performing you know, because this was like a year or two into kind of me taking on the, mm-hmm. the theater. So I, I hadn't. But with the season that we had planned before Randy had passed, I had planned on taking on certain roles um, and being a part of certain shows. So at that point, I really was missing it. And I was like, well, I don't really have time to go audition anywhere else. What am I getting? What what can I do to kind of help just fulfill that a little bit? Uh, uh, and I read about the show we were doing Susical the Musical as our winter show. It was part of the season. And we had a guest director so that I could kind of take a break because I had been basically going nonstop uh, for a year. And I thought, well, it's now or never. We're doing Susical. It makes perfect sense for this, you know, Susian show to follow up. Um, but I didn't think that anyone would say yes to me. I didn't think the board would do it because I had to be very clear of like, this is the type of language, this is the type of content. <laughs> I fully expected them to say no. And so I already had backup plans. I was like, okay, well, maybe I'll go talk to the staff or downtown. Maybe I can do it somewhere else. Maybe Stage Center will take it on. Um, and then it was like a resounding yes. And I was like, are you, are you sure? Because like, <laughs> You say that I, you see that I say this word, right? Like that's, that's okay. <laughs> um, I don't know if there's like a language thing on here, no, but like, it's whatever you want to say, okay, bro. Well, it's, it's the C word that, that gets dropped that I was like, are you, you sure? Cause this is, this is right here. Uh, I was like, I don't even know the number of F-bombs in there. And I was like, are you sure? And they said, yes, let's go. And I was like, okay. They said, yes, now it, it, it's just happening. Um, it was incredibly intimidating. Uh, my nephew, I have, uh, they're now four and two. My nephews used to live here. And at the time it was just the one, my nephew writer who was two, he's heard it all because I used to, I would take care of them a few days, uh, a week while, cause most of my job revolves here at night. So I got to take care of my nephews while he was growing up and he heard it all. He heard all the words <laughs> cause I, you have to rehearse and there's nobody to talk to. You know, there's no like theme partner or anything. So it's really just me talking to myself for days at a time in preparation. Um, and then people showed up and I was shocked. I was shocked at the reception. I was shocked that we didn't have, you know, pitchforks at the door <laughs> um, because of some of the content. But um, one of the things that I heard after the first year that we did it uh, was, you know, you guys sold the profanity and the content so heavily that people stayed away that we think would really enjoy it, that you weren't, you didn't talk about the fact that it's actually a really beautiful story oh, about someone amazing. kind of overcoming trauma and, you know, re-entering, I don't know, society, relationships, like weighing what, you know, relationships are. And I, that was a lesson we learned after the first year that like, yes, it's, very inappropriate. Yes, there's a lot of sexual content and there's a whole lot of language that my parents have now seen me do every year. Awesome. Um, but it's also a really beautiful story about someone overcoming a uh, major life trauma. Yeah. And healing in a way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like, um, I don't know. It's like, I guess the, the version of Cindy Lou that you know is the one that you see on Instagram or Facebook. 
right? right. It's it's the snapshot. Right. It's the thirty second snapshot in every day where everything looks great and fine, and then this is the reality, yeah. and this is how real life yeah. is, and the ups and downs and the struggles. And what's crazy is you made the first time you made me cry over a person that doesn't <laughs> even exist. It's a fictitious character in a show I didn't even really enjoy as a child. And it's like, it's just, it's, I don't know. It's so crazy how invested I get. And it's not the character, it's you. It's your performance, how you just embody this. So, and you're rhyming. Did I mention that? You're rhyming the entire show, right? It's so, it's yeah. just, it's bonkers uh, to see you out the... there. And it's just, it's, I think our sensibilities are um, a lot different than most people in the town we happen to find ourselves in, which is an extremely conservative yeah. town. This isn't like Austin where we're working on it. Though. That, yeah, dude, <laughs> you guys, you guys are making great strides. I'm not even kidding. Like whenever you saw Rocky Horror, I was like, how is this happening in this town? This is crazy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this show to me, like that's invisible. Like the language you know, that you guys happen to use. Yeah use uh, it to me it doesn't matter what the words are it's the feelings you're conveying that's all i care about yeah and you do it so gracefully and it hits at just the right times and the mixture of humor to offset it it is such i think it's one of my favorite performances uh ever <laughs> it's just it's like it's so beautifully done i think i could watch this you know it's like it's become like my favorite christmas movie to watch every year and so i, I like we are like all three of us well i mean there's four of us but my youngest i don't know we've taken him to shows and musicals it's just not really yeah. his thing my older is very much more theatrical he loves this stuff um so it's definitely like when we went uh i think so we went just christiana the first time the second time we took uh my oldest and he said that's the best thing I've ever seen here. That's the best live performance oh I've ever God. seen in my life. So um, it's just, it's so crazy how well that you kind of walk these lines back. Also a question, whenever you hand that audience member a drink, is there real alcohol in that? All right. Because yeah. the look on their face, it always, they always sell it. I'm like, they're either, surprised. I was like, either they're in on it or there's real alcohol in there. And it makes me laugh every time. I don't care either way. That's always a risk. So, so real quick, the premise is, you know, Cindy Lou, who uh, is all grown up. She's just gotten out of prison and she's living by herself in a trailer trying to throw a party for friends <laughs> and basically reconnect with friends from her past. That's the premise. But obviously things go haywire. And at one point she's, um, she very much uh, is reliant on substances in order to get through <laughs> her day, her night, her life. Um, and in the show, she is meant to consume a whole lot of things. Um, uh, there are, there is alcohol consumed by me during the show, but very sporadically and not nearly as much as people think. Um, but there is a good amount of alcohol that I drink throughout the evening. Um, but yeah, so a part of the show is I bring up an audience member, um, and prepare a drink for them. They are always surprised that it's alcohol. And that is always an interaction that is a complete risk because it's meant to, you know, be a genuine interaction. So we don't put a plant in there. It's usually someone I know. There have off, there have been twice now that it's been someone that I don't know. So it's <laughs> very unpredictable. You have no idea how this could go. Um, there was one year, as I'm kind of flirting with them, when I go to sit on their lap, they actually, he actually physically recoiled from me, and I rolled right off his lap onto the floor. <laughs> um, <laughs> it, it was a, <laughs> Yeah, 
you just never know what's going to happen. Last year, I accosted a friend of my brother's who probably still hasn't forgiven me for that public humiliation. Um, it's, it's a risk. You, you don't know what's going to happen. You mentioned the phone call. Um, and that went, I didn't know you were there that night, but that the phone, someone's phone rang in a very somber part of the show. Um, very sad where she's talking about like losing someone else in her life and a phone rings. And, you know, if you're ever on stage, like you are, you are trained to tune that stuff out. You don't acknowledge it. You know, you might be mad about it and bitch about it later, but you, you ignore it. And I was ignoring it. And then for a second, I was like, wait a minute, you, you idiot. Like you, you can't ignore this. So I, I think I just turned around and I was like, who the, like, left their <laughs> cell phone on? And I just started yelling at them and berating oh. them. And then we, we got back into it. But I was like, oh, no, you idiot. You can't ignore this. This is your job. That was that was an adjustment. <laughs> it was perfect. It was perfection personified. Yeah. I, loved, I loved that. It was almost like you had something locked and loaded and ready to go. Uh, <laughs> no, I think it was a, it was a genuine reaction where like I'm having this sad moment. We're having a serious conversation. The phone rings and I just said, "Are you fucking kidding me?" <laughs> oh <my laughs> God. It was amazing. I loved it. I still, obviously, I still remember it. It was uh, it was one of my favorite moments. My parents, my parents were there that night too. Yeah, and I think my my younger brother, who I, he'll never come back. He doesn't need to. But <laughs> my parents come back every year. Oh my goodness! Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I try and tell everybody I can about it. It's so killer. It's so awesome. I, I'm, a, I'm assuming you're gonna sell out all of your performances. So, you know, it's it's yet to be seen. So we we weren't planning on doing it. I was honestly taking the year off because we had Elf that was kind of extending to almost Christmas. I was like, there's no time. We've been I we've been going so hard, doing so many things at once. I was like, maybe I just shouldn't do it. And then we had enough people ask about it. <laughs> and my friend Christy Petty, who owns the village, said, just do it here. Like, don't try to go through this whole process at the theater. Like, it's meant to be a tiny trailer, claustrophobic and small in nature. You know, when we did it the first year here, I was really intimidated to have to fill a whole stage. I thought no one's going to want to see this. Uh, but, you know, having to redo it in a smaller space. So she's been amazing. They have a whole platform built up. We've already transported all of our set pieces over there um we painted some walls last night um i have yet to actually rehearse the show in the space um <laughs> I, i'm not panicked yet i know it's all there like that's the thing is after so many years um like it's all there yeah. in my head it's it's more of just connecting what i'm saying to physically what i'm doing and so i'm a little nervous to be doing that in a smaller space and remembering like all oh, right pill bottle here flask here this here like all those things I've got to figure out. So we've yet to run it, but it's it's going to be fine because it, it because it will. It has to be fine. Um, so yes, it's at the Village Cafe in downtown. You can get tickets um, at the Village website or at the if you just go eat at the Village, you can get the tickets there. Um, I don't know what the capacity is set, but obviously it is a small cafe mm. and not a big theater, so it's not a lot of room. And I think tickets are fifteen dollars ahead of time and twenty at the door. Yeah, it's a steal. It's a steal at go. half the price. Here we go. Or twice the price. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, that's so, I just, that's so cool that you're continuing it. Um, yeah, so I, we just assumed, like, you know, there was nothing really on the schedule. We just assumed it wasn't going to happen. And then lo and behold, yeah. it pops up on Instagram. And I was so excited. Yeah. So I uh, definitely wanted to jump yeah. in there fast on that stuff. <laughs> I'll tell you what, we are bumping right up to the time. And something I always try and be respectful of is people's time. I know you're a busy about the town kind of gal 
doing all these things. But I wanted to close off with one quote I found that you had put yeah. out there. You said, I found such a wonderful home here at the theater company, and I just want to continue to make it a home for others. And I thought through this conversation, I kept glancing down at that. And I was thinking, that is a thread that you have weaved through every bit of this. And I just thought that was so beautiful. Um, you obviously had no idea I was going to uh, pull that out, but I just thought it was such um, a beautiful um, representation of everything you've said. Like your entire spirit is, hey, this is something that I love and I want to share it with other people. And I think that it's awesome that you've become the director and you're going to be able to steer the ship, especially uh, it seems to be steering the ship in the direction I want to go. So you're doing a lot more interesting <laughs> outside stuff. And I love your spirit. I love your enthusiasm, your attitude. You're such a cool person. You're such a cool person to be around. For those listeners, she's got like the amazing mermaid hair going, right? It's uh, <laughs> it's everything you want in a human. Uh, so I, I just, I don't know. There's, I don't meet many people that are artistic in the way you are, that have such a passion for it that they want to, Put it out there and help other people attain it you know what i mean and i just have so much respect for you and dude i hope you stay here forever this town uh <laughs> is bleak and boring for the most part and so <laughs> there's these little pockets of crazy or weird i just wanted to stay yeah and uh hopefully That's... infect other people <laughs> with your crazy weird so appreciate you thank you so much oh so Thank you for just the kind words for the time. Thank you. Yeah, for sure, dude. So uh, if people out of the internet, out in the, the crazy internet land, want to engage with you in some way, or is there something you want to specifically promote? I can't guarantee this is going to come up before your performances or whatever. Is there like <laughs> a website you wanted to go to? Do you, any socials yeah. that you prefer them to find you at? Yeah. So, I mean pretty much my life is here uh so theatercompany.com is where we are we're uh theater bcs on basically everything instagram twitter um we are officially on tiktok uh <laughs> which is fun um but yeah that's that's where i am that's um any of my social media usually revolves just around these wonderful people here uh, but we have, you know, Who's Holiday coming up next next weekend. Um, but we just announced our season. And you mentioned that quote. And that was from our season reveal, I think, announcement, where we are opening with Wizard of Oz, because this is my 20th year. And that was my first show 20 years ago. Mm. So, like, there's no place like home. And I, it wasn't even me that came up with it. It was one of our board members. I think it was Shannon, who, when we were talking about the season, there's no place like home. And that's, yeah, that's that's how I feel about this place. Next season is going to be all over the place. We've got Wizard of Oz to Titanic to Newsies uh, to one of the ones I'm excited about is Head Over Heels, which is a musical inspired by the Go-Go's musical or by the Go-Go's music. So it's Go-Go's music, but set in like Renaissance times. And it's probably the most fun we're going to have all year. That sounds so bizarre. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> All right, man. I'll probably be checking it out. And whenever we come to your performance, I hope when you're drinking that martini, you got pinkies out. Better be pinkies out the whole thing. I will never be without it. <laughs> All right. Well, Adrian, thank you for joining me. I'm going to click stop on all this stuff. Thanks, Greg.